Hello guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Pre's podcast. I hope you're ready for another hour of nonsense and rambling. Although um, then again, this hour is a little bit less nonsense and rambling because it's going to be a bit more, I think probably a bit more solemn and serious than what, what our regular listeners would be used to, because we are talking about a topic that is um, well, on the tip of everyone's tongues right now for good reason, which is um, the late passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Um, I mean, for me, it's been quite remarkable actually how many people have reacted to it. I mean, just not in Britain, but globally. Mm. Um, like I, I saw today that you know the queue um, to like visit her coffin, which now yeah. been moved from Balmoral into London, it's something along the lines of thirty hours long, and people are still queuing up. Yeah, yeah I saw it was ridiculous. Five miles. Yeah, Christ, it's insane. Um, and there are a million, were a million mourners, I think, who have visited Buckingham Palace um, mm. so far, and like more are coming every day. And so, you know when I saw 10 days of national mourning was going to be announced after the Queen's death, you know, I thought there's going to be something more symbolic and so forth, but it's actually turned into a serious national movement. Um, it's pretty extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, it, it is crazy the amount of emotion, um, but equally I sort of, you know, since this all happened, I've been thinking a lot about her, her kind of role on the world stage in the last 70 years. Mm. And yet there's, I think there's, you know, a lot of hy hyperbole perhaps and, Boris met, mentioned in his speech in the Commons, you know, said she was the greatest stateswoman of our time, stateswoman really. Um, but I think there is sort of something in that, in that here's someone who met, you know, more world leaders and was more intimate with, well, was intimate with more kind of prime ministers and presidents than pretty much anybody else in modern time. I mean, the kind of diplomatic influence that that has, even in a very, you know, of course she's a, she was a you know an impartial relatively speaking constitutional monarch but even just that much interaction with so many people at the very top level of world diplomacy i think in a sense it, it makes sense for people to talk about mm. about you know talk about her mm -hmm. as like the grandmother of the modern world like well yeah. actually yeah i mean you mentioned this when when we all got the news and the, it's very strange considering you know she was 96 years old and very very senior that it mm. was quite somewhat of a shock to actually see that she passed away yeah which is insane because it shouldn't have been a shock realistically <laughs> but you i think these were your words is like you, you sort of talked yourself into believing that she was immortal yeah i, I literally <laughs> did think that she would live forever it's amazing just because like you know and the same to be honest with prince philip because prince philip was looking quite morbid for a very very long time before oh, he yeah. actually died and i just thought look if he's, he can't look any worse you know as, no, as a corpse was, was, <laughs> um so i think he insane. just he's just gonna keep on going um and I do think that the reason why a lot of people have sort of felt such a sense of loss is because of not not just obviously her personality, which is sort of, you know, you can't not love her personality to some extent. You know, she's quite a very, very lovable person. Mm. Um, but it's also what she represents, which I think is sort of like a link from the present to the past in many ways. Um, I mean, so I read something whereby, you know, she's seen through something like 12 or 13 prime ministers, I forget which. But her first prime minister, Wizard Churchill, was born in 1874. And the most recent one, this trust who she saw like two days at Balmoral before her death, uh, was born in 1975. So 101 years, essentially, of, of the gap between the first and last prime minister. Right. And if you view her in light of sort of her, like her personal associations, which I guess kind of like a queen can be viewed in, because she's not really much of a per public personality in and of herself. She's more like a sum total of who she meets and her associations. She sort of therefore is like a, a link across like a chain across like 150 years of history from the present to like that late high Victorian era. And so I think when she dies, it almost triggers like a sort of collective 
public nostalgia, yeah, which I think course. is latent in, in, in somewhat because you know people do feel quite an affinity, especially the elderly, to sort of like the last generation and sort of you know the World War Two generation and so forth. And right. so when she dies, yeah, that, that is a real sense of loss because it's like you're completely severed from that period. Well, she's just part of just so many moments of history that you learn about, which is why I think you persuaded yourself that she was immortal. And sort of, I, I think I did as well. I, just, I, yeah. I think I, I just didn't think it was possible for her to die. <laughs> mm. And just because she is present in literally everything we learn about yeah. and has always, seems, seems to have always been there. Um, and then you sort of, yeah, talk yourself into this, this, this state where she will always be there. I feel like it's the that sense... That sounded way more close than... We'll get teared up. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I feel like it's... It's also that sensation, I don't know if you guys felt this as well, but that sensation of living through history. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Which yeah, is quite, I think especially in our, in our lives now, in a sort of weird paradox, the fact that we are so, we're so connected and we know so much, relatively speaking. And yet I think it's, it's very easy not to, to, to feel like you're not kind of living through mm -hmm. yeah, the currents of, of history. And, and this is a way that I think every generation feels is that history was something that happened before. It's, you know, it's, it's in the past. We live in a sort of privileged time. But this is one of those moments that makes you realize, you know, there are these kind of world events that affect everybody, not just on like an economic level, but on like an actual emotional level um, that people will be talking about in 50 years. And it's that it's a weird kind of almost like disembodying feeling. I mean, I remember it quite distinctly when I saw I saw I got off the tube, saw the notification that she passed. And it was sort of this this weird sensation of being kind of pulled out of my own personal kind of worries and, and mm. everything and just suddenly think feeling like a part of this big thing that had happened and it happened to everybody you get a massive big picture yeah. perspective yeah, don't you course. I guess exactly and yeah the fact that you know, like you said she's sort of been a part of history of sort of vast sweeps of time it it, it it really is the case that she has been I mean she's tethered to like every grand historical event for since well yeah for the last over 70 years to be honest there was a I think she made a speech when she was 14 or something at the she end, did yeah the blitz. to the to the children of England yeah. exactly exactly and sort of you know you're, you're you're imbuing this 14 year old with such sort of like a sense of responsibility mm. and I, I thought it was actually really fitting when Boris Johnson made a speech that he focused on what we sort of asked of her when you know she ascended the throne in 1952 you know the crown is heavy in a more than literal sense mm. um, and that is, 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 is something which people are probably most impressed by is that she continued to do her royal duties which aren't meager by the way like i mean you know it for a 96 year old for a 96 year old woman and yeah, long after she needed to yeah long after she needed to and she well t from uh, up until two days before she she died she opened the new government you know yeah um and you know it, it's not a case of i think we were talking about this it's not a case of she could have an off day like socially uh, you know you might you might claim that her job on the surface of it looks easy because she doesn't have to deal with all of the commons political parties rabble and all of these that there's actual nitty-gritty day-to-day of party politics and so forth but it's, it's difficult in a different way. Like you have to meet everyone. You have to be on perfect sort of mm -hmm. political form. You can't put a step wrong in terms of decorum. Exactly. It's an impossibility. Like, which it's 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 weird. I mean, I, I think I thought. I mean, I thought Boris's speech was remarkable. Um, I mean, really I have. Yeah, he, he's he's sort of a, a deeply controversial figure for obvious reasons. But when the man wants to speak, he really can speak. Yeah. It was a great speech. Um, and but yeah, that sense of kind of realizing partially that like in a way you know th th and I thought about this as well when I saw Charles's speech the first one the address is that he's no his life is over in a sense do you know what I mean yeah. like he's no longer a person yeah he's the king yeah and he's never he can, he can never not be that he doesn't mm. get a day 
where he isn't in this role of of representation of representing the country you know he can't he can't make a gaffe at some yeah. at some meeting he can't burp in front of the president <laughs> right he could like there's and of course you know people have you know I, i'd prefer to be him than the pm for yeah example, because, yeah, course, yes, because but the, yeah but the thing is at least the pm you know being prime minister only lasts for four to eight years mm. whereas you are he's committed to you're the king for life yeah. well yeah, i think just, this yeah. was i mean this was really key with obviously prince harry in his in his youth you sort of began to realize like realistically most of most of the things he was doing by the uh, one controversial evening yeah, the um, oh, the, yes yeah. <laughs> um well like relatively normal late teen early 20s things like yeah. he was just partying and stuff just that we would consider perfectly normal stuff that we would consider Rebellion, perfectly yeah. normal and do multiple times things that young people young people far do. too often, far too <laughs> often. <laughs> and there were things that he was being essentially like persecuted by the media for Mm. He was deemed to, you know, it was deemed to be unfitting, and he shouldn't have been engaging in them. When realistically, for any, like, I'd say most of British, most of Britain's youth mm. probably do exactly the same things on a nightly basis. And mm. it's like, Christ, that's that's when you begin to realize, like, their yeah. lives are just entirely different. They, they, they literally cannot live normal lives. That's the thing, and I mean, they and they do get extraordinarily well compensated for that, their work, and that's mm-hmm. the thing. But equally, uh, you know, empathy is important, and like, I feel like. I, I don't think I'd trade places with any of them. No, I wouldn't trade places with any of them because it's just it is to the detriment of your personality. I said yeah. uh, one of the benefits again of being prime minister that, yeah, of course it only lasts four or eight years or whatever, um, but at least in theory you can maintain your personality. Well, you um, can, it's, it's about taking. They, they can obviously, obviously, it's their role is to take stances on political <laughs> issues, and exactly. which is an exhibition of your personality, right? Mm-hmm. Which obviously the royal family can't do. Yeah, the queen must. Have, it must feel so tantalising as the queen when you're meeting with the prime minister every week and you are probably expressing some sort of personal opinion at least implicitly but you can never actually affect what they do or say no. which is why i do find it remarkable at least in theory yeah. at least in theory yes. yeah but which is why i actually do find it remarkable when you know that generally the reaction to her death has been quite universally <clears throat> sort of of lamentation mm. um but you do get the odd person who tries to sort of attribute I want to talk about this yeah we, oh, yeah we the abolish the monarchy thing well but not even just sort of like on the republican stance just on the basis of like historical illiteracy or political illiteracy like they attribute sort of political episodes to the queen without Mm. understanding that the queen really does have no say in really what happens on a sort of national basis like Mm. on day-to-day lives like constitutionally yes she has the right to you know she signs into law signs laws into well into law um (laughs) kids tautology there um and she, you know, she she does have a certain constitutional power in that respect, but her de facto power is extraordinarily limited. Hmm. Um, everything she does is performatory. Everything he does, yeah, yeah it is. It's does. a performance. It's a circus. Um, so, so, like, yeah, I mean, I know I sent this to you guys, but you know, there was a guy who said, who posted the day that she died a list of all the wars that have happened since her coronation, and you know, it's like it, it, that's just like intellectual dishonesty of the highest degree because you know, one of them was like the Libyan civil war, and it's like in what there is actually no possible way in which you can associate the Libyan civil war with the Queen and its causes with the Queen. Like Libya wasn't even a British colony; it was Italian. Yeah. Uh, uh, so you can't even claim some sort of far-fetched, long-term colonial kind of reasoning or something. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's just strange that people who clearly don't have any idea on any of these matters feel so driven to just, it's just, a, it's just, just it. a lack of fundamental understanding about <coughs> how, how our, our democracy works <laughs> yeah. right? for, for you to sort of put any of the blame on the queen for this you have to believe that the queen plays some role 
it's also in, the, the, in the in yeah. sort of doings of the country. And which so weird just simply isn't true. Is it, are they suggesting that she should have intervened in all those wars? Well, uh, most of the wars didn't involve Britain. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but the ones that did, like I mean, that. Is, is that the implication that she? I think she the implication allowed is that she she somehow yeah furnished them or or contributed to their rise and continuation mm. or, or, or something along those lines. And this is the, yeah. She yeah. Would have said nothing about this. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's she, it's interesting. I mean, because the thing is, I try and I, I try and look at the monarchy from from like a strictly real politic perspective. Mm. In that, I do think it is ridiculous that she's the head of state of a bunch of countries, and that the royals go off and and sit in you know those like hats and wave hands at people. It's strange. Wave, I think it's bizarre, sure. and I and I do think it is patronizing, and it's one of the only sort. Of, it's it's one of the only sort of pure imperial kind of um, vestiges. Vestiges, says, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think we should get rid of it. I think she should be the she should well, Charles should be the king of the UK. Yeah, and and, that, and leave it I back. understand Republican movements in Australia. Exactly, stuff. but I un- but I do also appreciate the sort of the social and political value of the monarchy as an institution. Because Definitely. when you because when you think about it from a, again from a purely political perspective, it is in a sense useful in the same way that religion is useful and and football is useful and all of these kind of relatively benign symbols Forces. that you can divert sort of political attention into and kind of a sense of Personal unity meaning. exactly it is useful in order to have a, a symbol that transcends party politics that Certainly. people can genuinely come come around and, and come together by and, and her death is is sadly a, a perfect example of this there's some you know i think for most people in the country there's a sense quite a comforting sense that everybody's going through this you know together um and it's and it and it transcends those the kind of party political divisions that you know, those wars, etc., represented well, and fermented in our country. I think, um, yeah. So I think Louis and I are on the same side broadly on this matter in terms of like, I'm not necessarily massively in favour of the monarchy. I think mm. there are, broadly speaking, two reasons against it. One is essentially what you touched on: the essential sort of pointlessness and performatory nature of it. Mm-hmm. And secondly, you you obviously can make the argument that the reason anyone takes pride in the monarchy is because of the history of the monarchy, which isn't particularly glowing, right? Mm. We're talking deep, deep history, but. Realistically, as long as the institution of the monarchy has global value, it has value for Britain. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. In the, in the sense that as, as long as it is, you know, another country deems it an honor to, to host the monarch or to, to speak to the monarch, precisely. it has it has value to, set, to have a monarch and to send them there. Yeah, as long right. as the president wants to come and be exactly. banqueted at Buckingham Palace, then that's a good thing. I mean, funny yeah. enough, I, I, I actually agree with both of you guys on this principle. Like, <clears throat> I think it was, it was Thomas Paine who was like, the idea of hereditary monarch of a... <clears throat> and hereditary monarch is as silly an idea as the idea of like a hereditary physician mm-hmm. or a hereditary doctor or something. Like the idea of, but just by virtue of your birth, your chance birth, being born into something is in and of itself philosophically just a ridiculous idea. I don't yeah. think most most people, I don't think, dispute that. Um, but I'm favor in favor of it purely as like for what it symbolizes, because I think in a world where is there's such rapid change occurring so constantly around us and it's very very easy to sort of like lose your sense of identity to feel almost like a little bit disillusioned and disenchanted with Mm -hmm. your surroundings and so i think it's honestly useful to have one thing which is sort of like a constant in society where where change is is universal um you know the the queen is the face of what or was at least the face of a currency postage stamps she appeared on our TV screens on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would open large events and so forth. She's the patron of many charities. Um, 
<clears throat> and I just think, you know, it, it's, it's almost like a source of comfort just to have one thing in the public life to which everyone can sort of turn mm -hmm. a, 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 just amidst radical change. Yeah, and that's the thing, again, like, you know, Britain is an extraordinarily diverse place, but the thing mm. is that I could meet anybody from this country, pretty much, and we'll both have, you know, seen the Queen's face a million times on the TV. It's one of those things that kind of creates the sort of, the like cultural background radiation of a country, if you know what exactly. I mean. Exactly, it's a reference it's the, point. Exactly, it's the sort of, it's, it's one of the, and it's the same with like the weather in England or football <laughs> or the bad food. It's just like- it's Not football for you, mate. Not football for me specifically, <laughs> but football for lots of, lots of people. Possibly, when presumably. we get onto football eventually on this podcast, we are, just at, be at that moment, I will get up and leave the room. <laughs> no, we'll I'm, get I'm a joking, I'm joking. Yeah. I'll, I'll try my best, I'll try my best. But um, no, but it's, you know what, I, like it's one of those, it's one of those, things that that everybody even subliminally in the uk pretty much everybody even if they don't approve of it at least has experienced and can relate to it and so, it's something yeah. that i could go to any you know i could sit down with any englishman in the world and we would have that common, common ground. ground and that's i think that is very important from a from a, again from a real politic perspective from like the social unity yeah it's like i mean both of us i know i mean i think josh's views are a little bit more complex on this matter but i mean both of us are quite keen atheists um Same. but um i i wouldn't in any way want to sort of like abolish the church of england and it's for like the same mm. the same reason in, in that you i you need some features of you know the, the civil sphere like the certain of society that remain constant and are sort of like links to mm -hmm. the country's traditions and heritage and so forth which kind of like build up the country's sense of public identity mm. and maintain it and i i think that you can't do away with it i mean this is like what edmund burke talks about in his reflection of the revolution in france he says that basically it's just ridiculous well to seem to jump but as in it's ridiculous it's a very very bad thing to just tear all the fabric of a society in one sudden sweep hmm. because you're going to be left with just such a chaotic response because no one really knows what they're identify with no one really knows what to do with their nation because it's not really a nation anymore i mean if you if you what to find a nation by sort of like the sum total of its institutions and traditions and customs mm. then you need some to, to remain yeah and like uh i don't know have you have you read um confessions of a child of the century i have not by I alfred de musset um it's a f absolutely gorgeous novel one of my favorite novels um mm. but he spends a lot of time in the introduction talking about basically this sort of the the the, mal the malaise in post-revolutionary france right um after napoleon as well um and it's 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 very it's almost postmodern. It is postmodern mm. actually, as in Eliot could have written it pretty much. Um, and it's basically exactly what you're talking about. It's this sense of like, of 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 kind of feeling adrift. Yeah, exactly. Um, which again, which is, yeah, a recurring theme. And again, you know, this 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 novel was like written in the Romantic period, but this is something that people have always felt. But it does it tends not to bode very well. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's not in terms of in social cohesion, and it's not it's not even a matter of of affection for the country is no. it's not even like a sort of a sort of patriotic argument it's purely just a, like a, a good politics argument mm. you know you want you want people to feel like they can identify with something larger than themselves or, or a small Platoon. group exactly you want you want to divert that energy into a relatively benign um constant force yeah and that doesn't mean that the monarchy is perfect but it does mean that it has some social utility and that shouldn't be just sort of dismissed mm. well i mean it just yeah but essentially on identity building like mm. you 
predominantly build your identity out of the institutions and I guess people as well that surround you. You know, you you consider yourselves university students mm-hmm. from this institution, this institution, and as part of this nation or this nation. And fundamentally, something like the monarchy or the Church of England are you know strongly emblematic of that. And without them, obviously, and you know. For some people, you might look at certain facets of, of what someone considers parts of their identity and not quite understand it, which is, I think, the way I look at the monarchy, in the sense that people who are proud of and tied, fundamentally in some way tied to the crown, I look at in the same way as, you know when you have a, de- I've all known, you know when you have a debate with a football fan, they bring up the history of the club. Oh, yeah, yeah. As a way to sort of... Constantly with Liverpool fans. Liverpool and Arsenal fans. Well, yeah, Arsenal not so much anymore, but, you know, a couple of years ago <laughs> when Arsenal were pathetic and yeah. they'd constantly refer to the early 2000s and be like, oh, look, my club, was, my club was great. It's part of my identity. My club was great. And I look at it sort of like that in the sense that you're sort of tying yourself to something that isn't particularly relevant mm-hmm. or majestic. Well, it is. I guess it is majestic in a way, but, yeah. um, it, you know, it's not particularly powerful anymore. I don't understand why people tie themselves to it, but ultimately it's important to them it doesn't really do anybody any harm it's just because um, it's always been there and it's because of course as in i un- yeah. i i, I yeah. understand why it's just yeah. I, I cannot empathize with it in yeah. in, in any way yeah. as in I, I don't understand i guess the point of tying yourself to something that is no longer relevant same which, as is, in, yeah. which is where the, the what i mentured about yeah, the, I, understand, I, I, understand. I guess the whole point is that i guess the whole point sorry to interrupt is that it is pointless in that <clears throat> you don't do it by choice by conscious choice yeah everyone it's, would look at most of the things most people construct their identities out, out of and if they're not if they don't overlap, they just, you fundamentally will not be able to understand it. There'll be people who don't understand why we're proud of being students of X university or why we're proud of being, you know, um, students of X school. Exactly. Students Mm -hmm. of X school. And people who don't have that within what they view as them, their their version of themselves, they just won't understand it. Mm. Because there is no logic to it. No, of course there's no logic to it. You have to build build yourself out of something. Exactly. It's not exactly rational, but also I think the the reason, the main reason makes a lot of sense, which is just pure exposure. Mm. You know, I'm I'm proud of going to the university I go to because I go there and I spend a lot of time there. You know, it, it's not necessarily sort of... And you like it. Exactly, exactly. It's not necessarily... As in, I think there were a lot of people were fond of some of the Queen who no one knew personally, purely because you just saw her all the time. Yeah. And you get... I mean, I'm in the same way that I weirdly have actually find myself quite fond of the grey skies in London. <laughs> As in like, yeah, like of course. I actually still like, I, I find myself missing them if, if I'm like away, you know, in, in the summer or something. Not because I enjoy being wet and cold, but just through familiarity. Well, we said this about, I can't remember which of you it was, but we, I, I said this about, you know, in, in the States or even here actually, where people are very proud of their hometowns, mm-hmm. even though their hometowns are objectively <laughs> dog shit. <laughs> not, not, right? not they're just, places. they're just not nice places to live. There's not much. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, no, Coventry's not that bad. Plymouth. <laughs> Coventry's not okay. great. Plymouth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, quite bad. But as in, no. Why are we just dissing people's hometowns? <laughs> well, we're just reducing the demographic. Wait, all, the li- all, the list- all the listeners from Coventry are like... Sorry, sorry. sorry we apologise to all our listeners from Plymouth. Um, but as in, I'm, ta- I'm talking even sort of smaller scale than that. As in, people who are proud of their hometowns, where there is just literally nothing going yeah, on. Yeah, some like, places. Just tiny really. villages, like, like bro, nothing happens. There's there's no to me. But, I mean, know, which are completely indistinguishable from other tiny villages around the country, but they're yeah. proud of being from there. Bro, as in, yeah. Epo, like, where I live, it's, it's, it's tiny. There's, like, nothing there. The... the yeah, the greatest thing that happens in their poor is some farmer like plants a new oak tree and that's a chat for about the next two weeks at the local but pub. It's, it is, it was pretty pleasant. I like, I like the oak nice. trees. Yeah. It's a nice village. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's, you know? it's, it's, it's uh, serene. It, it, yeah, but it's, it's the same thing with you in the sense of, you know, you'll miss the grey skies of London or something which are objectively not very nice. I will miss the sort of badly porn, lukewarm John Smiths or something that I get for <laughs> £3.80 at the Chandler's Arms. 
Yeah. It's For odd. no real reason. <laughs> it's odd what you do and do not choose to make part of that sort of conception of your own identity in the sense that, you know, we all view ourselves as students of X University and it's something with, you know, that institution and that town is something mm. we're fundamentally tied to now, mm. realistically. And we view ourselves as being tied to that. People would have gone through the same university mm. and not feel the same affinity and, and not had an unpleasant time. And obviously have that familiarity aspect because they've been there for three years, but not have that same affinity to it that we do. Just the same as some people who come from the exact same hometowns as we were just describing earlier might just forget about them entirely and not really care and not really want to go back there. True. Moving on to, just sorry, just to um, jump a little bit because I know that we have a lot relatively now to get through, I think. Um, It's just the- 15 minutes. 15 minutes, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, It's just the related and relevant topic of Prince Charles. I mean, Mm. well, King Charles rather, I should say now. Indeed. What do you boys think of the third? Yeah. Hmm. Um, <coughs> it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> I did. I actually did once shake his hand. Did you? Yes. He has very, very small fingers. How did he shave his hand? I met him at Sorry, an event. I'm glad that's was... your first impression of the entire story. <laughs> I mean, Charles, yeah, I met Prince I thought it was small fingers. I thought it was important. I thought it was important. I mean, I, 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 I met him, you know, he, he came to open something mm-hmm. um, and I happened to be nearby and just went along, you know, as you do. May as well meet him, um, if I can. And I was, I was in, I was in the crowd. I did not. I was in the crowd. He walked past. He was shaking his hand. I just reached out, shook his hand. Fair enough. He seemed pretty pleasant. Well, I guess that's the only impression you can get. Exactly. Respect, exactly. He's just got um, weird fingers. <laughs> he does have weird fingers, but that doesn't mean that he'll be a bad king. You know. I'm. I know a couple of people who absolutely love him. Um, really, I know. I, I know quite a few people who don't. Like and him. I know a lot of people who really, really hate him. I'm. I don't really know to be honest because I've, I've heard some weird stuff about him. So I. I read somewhere that. He delivered sort of several years ago a speech um, in Oxford, actually, where he was talking about uh, the reasons why sort of like society has like decayed and and uh, the reason why like the climate in particular hmm. He's, yeah, big uh, has, has, has decayed. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because we've lost sense of, of, of uh, our public soul or something, and which apparently has come about since Galileo through the scientific revolution and the scientific method, which has been like an affront to faith-based traditions and stuff mm, and I looked at that and I thought that, that's bollocks that's um, <laughs> such, such a thought, deeply sort of like I mean, English conservative it's just an insult to Galileo as well apart from yeah, else. he literally Galileo. taught us our, our place in the world um, I mean yeah he also I, I also read that he, he said that the best way to improve the health of plants is to speak to them what? <laughs> which I thought was a bit nonsense I think people <coughs> which I think people nonsense. do say that though. it's well, sort of like kind of my mum read the book saying advising to speak to trees. What the but hell? I mean, <laughs> Teresa. <laughs> what is happening there? Take it, with a, take it with a pinch of salt. But um, I, Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I Again, I, I, enjoyed his, I enjoyed his speech, his address. I thought it was good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. But I feel well. like I'm also uniquely susceptible to good speeches. But, well, no, for, I mean, for sure, you, as in you can, you can say that a person's made a good speech without necessarily liking the person. But mm-hmm. I mean, there's another, the last thing that I read about Prince Charles, like literally three or four days or something before the Queen's passing was that he had t- taken a lot of money from oh, yeah. the Saudis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whose family in in banknotes. Yeah. In from, a duffel bag. Yeah, from Bin, oh, Bin Laden's. Explain, Bin, I, didn't see, I didn't see this. Uh, Prince Charles took a hell of a lot of donations and money and so forth. It was from Bin Laden's from family. From Bin Laden's family. Extended family. I mean, who Arabia. are, yeah, who are like billionaires in Saudi Arabia. Who are billionaires mm-hmm. in Saudi Arabia yeah. and they are like extended, extended family. Like we're talking oh, okay. like... It's not like he literally just went visited Al Qaeda or something. Yeah, yeah. But, but I know, but that, but I mean, correct. I don't think that they're particularly like sort of suspicious people. They're quite suspicious. I mean, but you think Osama was a pretty suspicious person? Just slightly. I don't. <laughs> you think it all like, the they, 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 I think like they own 
some big engineering like architecture as in business and you'd think like all the same well, look at that. yeah his, i mean that's his, the thing the duffel bag, would, his, that's weird not even that like you'd think his people would vet it think it was a bit strange and then you know in the same way that presumably the media has found out about that you'd think that his people would well, vet it and then go oh you know what even though they are probably okay due to the the, the sort of public repercussions from this you probably right. shouldn't take this donation yeah so it's, well, Charles, think, it's, a, it's like who allowed that, that but that's the thing i think they probably did but maybe they just didn't assume that people would that get upset. Well, it was for a charity. So it was donations. So I it was a million pounds to the Prince's Trust. It was, it was, yeah, so it was right. privately Any ties to Bin Laden are probably going to be... It's not a good Probably, it's probably going dodgy. to upset the public. It's definitely not a good I think look, that was obvious. Sure. Yeah. So sort of sort of number one on the on the, on the, on the PR nose. So supposedly it was also to Don't enhance... associate with Bin Laden. It, it, it was supposedly to enhance um, the future king's connections with Gulf philanthropy. Okay. Um, I, I always thought Saudi Arabian sort of monarchy philanthropy was a little bit of an oxymoron in and of itself. But... I, I mean, and I, was like, I think I, I think it was it was that the amount was given it was given in cash and it was given in f- those five hundred euro banknotes, which are f- yeah. I think were recalled. Mm. They're still legal tender, but they no longer print them because they were used by international terrorists. It is that, well, there are never, they're never good so ideas. He, he, I mean, it, yeah. Modi did the same in India with exactly. although that was a terrible decision. Because you, the same in India with basically all of the the, the high mm. the higher bill the because higher you bills. can you can carry you know like. 10 exactly. million euros in the backpack. So mm-hmm. he, he was warned, apparently. So it says here that <clears throat> despite warnings, it is reported that Prince Charles felt embarrassed to hand the money back to Baka bin Laden and his half-brother, Shafiq. Oh, they carry the name as well. Yeah, they carry the name. Oh, it's just, it's no. That's a disreputable association to have. I no, think. but you, I, mean, I thought like extended, extended family. I think it is, the, it is extended family. But I, I thought the name might obviously not be... No, it is bin Laden. Yeah, yeah. In, yeah but that's yeah. not obvious. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah, <laughs> obviously. Obviously. I've just been told, but... No, they do. So I think the, the, the point that I want to make here is that, like, um, Prince Charles is unfortunately unlike the Queen, whose only sort of real public activity or public political statement that was was um, in response to Margaret Thatcher opposing some anti-apartheid bill mm. in the nineteen eighties, forty to one, I think. Mm. Um, perfectly fine thing to well, to speak up on, but yeah, uh, he's got quite a few political associations or true, but, but also but, associations. I mean, also Andrews. Uh, well, yeah, court that. Sports, I mean, which is not an insignificant <laughs> thing. No, that, that, also that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, uh, it's also another thing that her passing has kind of woken me up to is actually like that, you know, even if you, if you just, again, like I mentioned right at the beginning, the idea that like the Queen is meeting all of these political figures, I mean, it would be such an ext- a Herculean effort for her not to be political. Oh, massively. And I mean, you think even like, like George VI. You know, George VI, he was one of the only people who knew about the Enigma machine. Oh, yeah. Because Churchill told yeah. him. Why would Churchill tell him? <laughs> Confiding, someone to confide in, I guess. But, but, but that, that, like, think, think about the national security. I mean, yeah, he's the king, but like, why would you tell, essentially, like a civilian I just about the, king, a, the most top secret military endeavor of the war? I just feel like the king is one of the people who you sort of, to whom you sort of have to confide top secret things in. As just head of the state, I don't know. But that's mad to me. Why? As just someone who you know isn't going to speak out about it. I, I think. I mean, also, but you don't know for sure. Just, not, just generally, like uh, sort of a, a testament to her character in general. We've just spoken for a while and briefly mentioned, over, you know, talking about Harry, Charles, and briefly Andrew, mm-hmm. and you can bring in Philip as well. Like a series of like royal figures who've Pretty all been embroiled in yeah. some Meghan. scandal. And oh, okay, yeah, but that's that's slightly different. She wasn't. Yeah, but um, who have so. all you know been subject to some sort of scandalous story over the the course of their prominence? Can anyone think of one for the Queen? Yeah, I mean, no, that's what I think. I, I mean, she well, does her job. Paying Andrew's 
bills. Yeah, but that's, okay. But son, as in, like, I guess, there's another, there's a personal element to it. It's yeah, she can't be admonished for that. I think you can, but only in honestly, the first honestly, I, I, I feel like there are some. I can't think of them off the top of my head. I mean, the fact that you don't know about but it. the fact that I don't know about it. She's bloody good at her job. No, she, 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 as in, well, in the sense, well, I mean, I think there no, I, can, one, I, can, no. I, can, I can think of one. I, can I, I can't. Um, on. Diana's death. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No. I'm um, and yeah, absolutely. I retract my statement. And that was a big. That was a big deal. Um, but but generally, yeah. it's a pretty pristine record after seventy years. Of I mean, so, exactly seventy years and of public under more service. scrutiny, realistically, than the rest of the royal family. Under a lot of scrutiny. Well, well, yeah. Although, I mean, I feel like she did also have a slight kind of aura of untouchability in the sense people probably just didn't want to know. Yeah, but I think if people did know, as if there were, if there were sort of under the surface like a super abundance of things people would say so people would know about it people would say so the idea of the monarchy has enough crit- critics to be yeah. susceptible to criticism in that sense yeah I mean I, I think she, she had and also again if you, if you compare her to other you know statesmen or figures in the, in the, in the public eye she, it was relatively spotless I mean relatively clean I mean, I mean compared to all of the political machinations and so forth that you yeah, get I mean, compared countries. to Trump I mean, and the golden just, showers and all that crap. if you think about the, if you think about the head of state of America compared to the head of state of Britain right yeah. it's just, no, it's it's just it, pulls it, apart yeah, right like exactly it, it, is just, it is remarkable and the longevity of it for 70 years like she's she's pretty pretty pristine um, it's true and also so, just but even even besides that just the general her approval rating alone. oh for sure exactly yeah. which, which I think kind of speaks for itself yeah yeah in short we are fans of the Queen. Yeah. All right, the late all right. Queen. Hot okay. take from Priest. May she, may she, rest, Priest may she rest in peace. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this has been a slightly more somber and serious episode than you used to. We'll be up to our usual buffoonery um, in the next installment. <laughs> well, hopefully. We're hopefully actually, we're actually having some trouble with our guest. Yeah. Well, he has no sense of direction. No, no, spo- no, no spoilers no, for next episode. Okay. Josh. Okay. We have, we have a guest for next episode. <laughs> there we go. We'll leave it at Yeah. We'll we'll stay tuned. That. Stay tuned. We'll um, it's a, it's a good one. It's a very good one. Yeah, so with that, it's... Goodbye from us and God save the king. God save the king. God save the king.